Welcome to Digging Deeper in Grace, a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Our goal each episode is to dig deeper into the scriptures with a focus on our most recent sermon. And now let's dig deeper. Well, hello, welcome, and thank you for tuning in today. I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, and I'm with Tim Cockrell to discuss his recent sermon from Matthew chapter 7. And Tim, our last recording session for this, our third season, and I have a lot I want to cover today, so let's hit it. <laughs> Sounds good. good. Good to have you back here. So let's start with this, Tim. We commented last week that it's very easy to develop an unbiblical view of judging others. That was in chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Mm-hmm. And as I jumped into chapter 7, verses 7 through 12 here this past week, I can tell you it's just as easy for me to develop an unbiblical and therefore an unhealthy practice of prayer. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. What's interesting is that they have the same root, you know, and that is pride and selfishness. You know, the very thing that leads me to be condemning toward others is a certain self-righteousness that imagines that I'm sufficient in and of myself, that I don't need divine grace, if you will. And that's also the root of an unhealthy view of prayer, that even if I'm praying, many times, you know, James reminds us that we ask with wrong motives because we want them for our own selfish desires. And it can be so easy to approach God with this idea of he's the genie in the lamp and I want certain things. And so he kind of becomes a means to an end rather than the end in and of himself. I think Jesus has even warned us about some of those dangerous patterns of prayer back in chapter six, you know, of Mm -hmm. not praying for public performance, not wanting to be seen as spiritual when in reality our heart is far from him and not approaching God in a manipulative way as if through eloquent words or repeated phrases that God would then be persuaded to act on our behalf, but rather that God being our loving Heavenly Father knows what we need even before we ask. And I think those are some of the dangers that we can fall into that we don't have to consciously even think about, but that when we come to prayer, we tend to, there's a gravitational pull of pride and selfishness that either leads us to prayerlessness or to selfish prayer patterns. And as I recall, if you mentioned if uh, Matthew 6 is the how of prayer. Matthew 7 is the why of prayer. Mm -hmm. And it's like Jesus wants to give us these rapid fire promises that that provoke us to prayer. It's like he's inviting and inciting us to pray. And I think he knows that our hearts are prone to be indifferent or apathetic or self-sufficient. And so he orients us not with necessarily promises of material blessing or that we'll get whatever we ask for, but rather that when we pray, God hears, he answers, and he knows what is best for us. I'm thinking of a comment that came out of our class. It was was after the class, our adult Bible fellowship on Sunday. We talked through this passage, and and, uh, I wonder, this person said, don't we sometimes make it too hard, though? Is Is it possible to make it too hard by, okay, well, you should do this, you shouldn't do that, isn't it just as easy as loving God, loving others, and just talking to your dad? Well, there's certainly an element of that. And I think we have to know, that's one of the challenges we were just talking about this this morning, even anytime you're preaching, you're preaching to such a variety of people that for some people, they need to be a little more relational in their conversations with God. and others, they need to be a little more reverent 
in their conversations with God. You know, the, that our God is a consuming fire, and therefore we need to approach him with reverence and awe, like what we see in Exodus chapter 19, when God shows up on Mount Sinai and people are, are terrified. And because there's those tensions that are here, <clears throat> you know, even Jesus captures that in the Lord's Prayer when he says, our Father, who's in heaven? Mm-hmm. Like he is near, but he is also exalted. And so I think, yes, for some of us, we need to be reminded we don't have to have the perfect words. We don't have to kind of come with a, a religious sounding script in order for God to hear us. But for others, we need to recognize that we aren't coming to God just saying, give me this and get me this and take me here. But rather, God, you're the king. You are the sovereign. And therefore, I lay my life before you with a, a humble submission to whatever it is that you will do. Because I'm not in a place of demanding I'm in a place of, of humbly requesting. And, and let's talk about that just for a moment. I mean, we, we have the, the call, you know, we need to call Abba Father. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, some have suggested that Abba uh, sort of a daddy mm-hmm. type of a, of a thought. But we all, And we also have the calls, you know, we, we need to come boldly. We can mm-hmm. come boldly before the throne because of what Christ has done for us. But yet we're also to fear God. There's a tension there, it seems, in how we how we look at relating to our Father. Can we talk about that briefly? Yeah, no, I think absolutely. And I think this may sound a little hokey, but for me, it, it helps sometimes as I think about prayer to almost imagine myself visually entering the throne room of God. Because we, when we do so, we recognize that even prayer itself suggests an access that is not automatic. That, that we don't have any right to be heard by God. We don't have any leverage that we can exert on him. Certainly no right within ourselves. Or right, exactly. Yeah. But that because we are accepted by Christ, because we are adopted into God's family, that then we come into his presence. And so he is both king and father. We have intimate access, but also subservient responsibility to him. And and those are the truths that we have to hold into tension that uh, we, again, have to kind of recognize which direction our heart tends to lean. Very good. So right out of the gate on Sunday, you noted that prayer is not optional. It's essential for the believer. And what are some of the most common impediments that you see? Um, you know, may I ask some of that you've experienced? Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I can share some of mine. But that get in the way of our practice of biblical prayer. Yeah, it's a good question. And you know, I mentioned to you offline here that prayer is one of those topics that I just feel woefully inadequate about. You know, there are many of those things, but. I just feel like it's an area that I have so much room to grow in, and I even mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, sometimes when we hear a message like this, it can induce guilt. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a difference between guilt and and a humble self-awareness that we are not yet what we should be. And so as I think about my own prayerlessness, I think ultimately it comes back to pride. Mm -hmm. It's the idea that I have the wisdom or the resources, or the knowledge, or whatever it might be, that I can handle this situation on my own. And so what then happens is I only pray when I really want God to do something for me, which is an incredibly <laughs> selfish, <clears throat> self-serving approach. And I'm I think, afraid I understand what you're saying. Right, yeah. but I, I think that goes back to the impediments to prayer is that we don't really realize <clears throat> just how needy we really are. And so we come to God just saying, oh, this is that rare exception where I need you to work, as opposed to, God, I need your daily grace. 
to make me what I am not, to disentangle my heart from the idols that I am prone to love and trust and obey. I think busyness is another one, you know, that we get so busy that we don't take the time to just stop and be. There's always something that we're, we're pressed on. And then connected to that, I would just say distraction. You know, I'm sure that I am not alone when it comes to the idea of if I sit down and want to pray, I'm probably not 30 seconds in before I think to myself, wait, did I have a reply to that email or <laughs> what was I going to do for Christmas for this child right. or um, a, a text will buzz in my pocket or something like that. And it's just easy for our mind to wander because I don't think we feel the, the urgency of it in the way that we need to. Uh, this thought came to my mind as you were talking. Uh, respond to this. Uh, prayer, let me frame this right. Prayer is more than discipline, but certainly not less. Absolutely. I, I think one of the best ways I can think of you know, any of the spiritual disciplines is it is disciplined dependence. Mm -hmm. that, that we are making a pattern that expresses our heart's desire to say, I need to read God's word because my mind and heart need to be shaped by its truth. I need to pray to God because I acknowledge my daily dependence upon his grace to make me what I am not, to, to give me the sufficiency for what I lack. I need to be regularly gathering in church because I need the community of mm -hmm. believers. And so we discipline ourselves for the things that we recognize need to be a priority in our lives. And that's not to take the place of the heartfelt relational aspect i think of you know certainly you know we talk often uh, in these discussions about marriage relationships mm -hmm. so so much true there's typically at least one person maybe two but one person in that relationship who is often pulling on the other you know we need to talk more mm -hmm. we need uh, we need just to communicate better uh, i know who that is in my relationship <laughs> with my wife and and praise god and and often that's god he's saying hey i'm here guy i'm mm -hmm. you know, let's let's have some time together right and i think that ends up becoming one of my greatest challenges when i think about prayer is so often unconsciously I make it transactional rather than relational. Right. So I go to God because I need him to do something. I need him to come through, to fix something, to change something, even if that's in my own heart. And those things are not bad in and of themselves. Jesus in, in this passage asks us and invites us to ask and seek and knock, but that we do so because of our heavenly father who knows us and who loves us and who gives good gifts. And if we disconnect it from that relational component, it, it's very easy for it to become much more transactional. Yeah, I, in thinking about this whole subject, I know I look back over my oh, 40 years or so, just under 40 years of, of serving God actively, and you know, I'm not ashamed to say that, that some of my most exciting periods were in those early years. I can think back to times when you know, just knowing that God wanted interaction with me, wanted fellowship mm -hmm. with me. That was exciting to me uh, in my early, early stages. And I might even say I prayed with a certain reckless abandon often, mm -hmm. which I don't think is bad, but I, I Tim, I, I long for that. Um, it's something as I've, uh, as I've accumulated more knowledge, mm -hmm. it, it, 
there has been times when I've had to say, oh, golly, I need to back off from that and just just communicate hmm. and uh, and not be so transactional. You're talking about mm-hmm. transactional versus relational. I think that uh, certainly resonates with me. Right. Well, I think, you know, maybe you can identify with this. I think in any relationship, there is the danger of relational stagnation. Mm-hmm. So I think about, you know, when Katie and I were first dating, we would talk for hours, you know, we'd be getting to know each other. We'd be asking questions. We'd be, you know, calling just to say, I love you and things like that. And, and as time goes on, it can begin to become a little bit more transactional. You okay, know, let me, let me ask you, do you ever get into a situation as a husband or wife and you look at each other and I know I say, well, what do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. That was never a problem 30 years ago. Right. Or that what you're talking about ends up being more about logistics and right. schedules and those right. types of things. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, if you go to any marriage seminar or anything like that, they're going to say, you got to keep dating your wife. You got to keep pursuing each other because it's not going to come naturally. And so when I think about what it is that maybe happens over the course of our life spiritually, we begin to take it for granted. We begin to view God more as just a, a means to an end. And there's that relational stagnation that happens there. I think there's also, when we first come to Christ, there's a deep and, and clear awareness of our dependence on him. You know, we've come to, we've had blind eyes that have been opened. We've had a hard heart that's been softened. And we just realize how desperately we need him. And again, I'll speak for myself here. The longer than we walk with the Lord, there can be this sense of, well, I'm not as dependent anymore. Mm. I've I've become more self-sufficient. And we, we delude ourselves into thinking that somehow we need God less now than we did then. Mm. I can't help but think uh, you and I, when we turn off the microphones here, we'll walk uh, down the steps and we will mm-hmm. see a gathering of people who are here to celebrate the life of uh, one of our dear departed ones here just this past week, David Warren, a uh, dear member of our church, faithful member, and I mean, throughout the state and throughout the, the nation, really, as a faithful man of God. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you know, if we can, getting to the whole idea of prayer, if we can just think about what he is experiencing right now. Mm. If we really believe what we say, we believe he's experiencing presence with with God, absence from the body. He's present with God. We get a little taste of that in prayer, don't we? We do. And and I think that's one of the things that is hard for people is because it it doesn't have a as clear an experiential component. You know, it's not like you can talk to God face to face. It's not like you hear his voice audibly, although we can, of course, read his word in those ways. That I think for some people, they can end up feeling like they're just talking to the ceiling or talking in, into space. But if we really think through the idea that God is present with us, he is attending to our needs, he is anticipating what we need before we even ask, then as we come into his presence and we, we make our requests of him, we know that he loves us and he cares for us. And that kind of attunes our heart to anticipate and long for the fulfillment of that, which is ultimately when we'll be with him in heaven. Tuning our heart. I like that picture. And that just goes in something I also wanted to bring out. You, know, you referenced a passage from a couple of weeks ago when you quoted Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It starts out, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And uh, you know, Jesus is talking not 
primarily about a, uh, not primarily about prayer there, but it certainly affects how we look at prayer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So much of an effective practice of prayer is understanding that I need to be seeking God's will so that my prayers will be focused on what he desires Mm -hmm. to be focused on, not that I, not necessarily what I desire. So what are some practical tools that we can do to uh, use to do this? You talk about, you know, uh, understanding correctly, Mm -hmm. uh, getting the right picture in our minds, uh, understanding, you know, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just uh, add here, uh, uh, anecdotally, I know there are some people who, uh, Sandy and I were talking about this earlier today, some people who just when they walk into more of a high church setting mm-hmm. are kind of, their, their spirit is drawn, certain things, architecture from the, you know, uh, all the way through the Middle Ages and, and uh, all the way up to today in many cases, architecture designed to point to Mm -hmm. the holy. Can we talk about that for a moment? Right. So, I mean, to to get to the question specifically of how do we kind of shape our hearts to seek God's will? I I mean, one of the things that feels like a Sunday school answer, but it's it's just absolutely essential, and that is a regular rhythm of consuming God's word. Because we don't naturally desire what we ought to. We don't naturally um, believe what we ought to. And so the more we come to God's word with a teachable spirit, the more we are then shaped so that his desires become ours, so that his will begins to impact ours. And so it's not always something that we actively recognize, oh, that now changes the way that I pray, but rather as our character is conformed to his, so our will and our desires are conformed as well. I think the second thing that I would say is it's really helpful to have some structure of prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in American churches, we so highlight and extol the extemporaneous prayer. Well, I prayed just off the top of my head, or I just prayed whatever was on my heart. And there's a goodness to that. We've just been talking about how it's important to be relational. But Jesus also taught his disciples how to pray. And I think the very idea that he had to teach them how to pray means it doesn't necessarily come naturally to us. So there's different ways that you can do that. You can certainly use the Lord's Prayer. You know, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's automatically going to orient us in those ways before we say, now give us our daily bread or, or, you know, deliver us from temptation. Uh, Some people will use what's called the Acts model of prayer that begins with adoration and confession and then thanksgiving and then finally supplication or making our request to God. Whatever it is, sometimes just having a structured approach helps us make sure that our prayers don't become unbalanced. Because let's be honest, most of the time when our prayers are unbalanced, it's toward self-gratification. No doubt, no doubt. Well, Tim, you, you, you covered this item well, but I do want to talk a little bit about so-called unanswered prayer. Um, for sure, I don't think that there is such a thing, really, mm. but uh, and don't believe that a, a loving father simply ignores our, our pleas, our petitions. But when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we would want him to answer, or when we just can't understand why God wouldn't want to give us something that he seems us seems to call us to request maybe salvation for a friend or healing of uh, of a deadly disease or whatever it might be. You noted that our cries of why place us squarely in the midst of His providence. Interesting concept. What you seem to be saying when is when we don't understand, we got to remember God does. 
Right. And, and that we are refined in our faith in that process. I mean, one of the, the fascinating verses where it says that Jesus learned obedience in his earthly life. And I think about the Garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. where Jesus pours out his heart, where he cries, Abba, Father, if it is possible, if there is any other way, let this cup, the cup of God's wrath, pass from me. And then he sees in the distance the, the glint of the torchlight off the swords of the soldiers as they march down the Kidron Valley to where he is praying there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he has an answer. But it's not the answer he was asking. You know, it's not the, the prayer that he was praying. But in the process, he submits himself to say, not as I will, but as you do. And I think that has to be our posture in prayer. And I'm really encouraged when I, I read prophets like Habakkuk, you know, we studied that this summer, right. that encourages us to lament that when things are happening that are hard and painful, that it's okay. It's actually, I think, important for us to mm-hmm. ask the, the why question or the how long question, but that we are pouring out our pain in prayers of trust, mm. that we are expressing our disappointment alongside of our dependence. And that in so doing, we are saying, God, to who else will we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And so I'm going to trust you even when I don't understand what you're doing. Even when I don't like what you're doing, I rest in the fact that you know better what I need even than I do. Job said it well. It was in chapter 2. Naked I came, naked I'll go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Just a reminder of God is in control, no matter what my circumstances are. Right. Right. And so many times we don't realize that we have those expectations or even Mm -hmm. demands of the Lord until they go unmet. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say that I think it's a, a key point in the school of God's providence, that when he takes away those things that our heart thinks it needs, do we respond with the fact that God is our source of satisfaction or do we reveal that, in fact, that thing was an idol in our heart all mm. along? And I will trust you regardless of my circumstances. And that that is what Christ is talking about in, in chapter 6, verse 33. Mm-hmm. Seek first and uh, not your own things. Very good. Well, what else, anything else about prayer that you'd like to leave us with? And I want to give you an opportunity here at the end of our time together, but I've got one more thing I want to do before that, just to, to pray us out of this mm-hmm. time of prayer. And, and as we move into a very special time of year, we all appreciate Christmas. And uh, But uh, anything else on your mind about this, Matt? I think just you know a point of sensitivity and awareness, uh, recognition, if you will, that this is a hard topic. You know, when we talk about unanswered prayer or, or prayers that God seems to be silent in, that weighs heavy on people, whether it's prayer for a spouse or to, for God to give them a child or for God to bring a wayward child home or to see a, a loved one trust in Christ. Mm. That I was talking to one of our ABF leaders, and they said they just had a really deep and rich conversation where there were tears and there was heartache. Because this really brings to the surface that sense of, of struggle that we have here in this broken world. And so I would, the last thing I would want is to, to paint some picture of prayer as if, well, just put on a smiley face and you know pray to God because he's going to make everything better. No, I think we can come with, with tears flowing down our cheeks and hearts that are breaking 
and pour out that pain to him as well because he knows and he loves us and he cares. It's easy to look around a, a church, for example, on a Sunday morning, a uh, group of people gathering, everybody's in their Sunday best, uh, whatever that means today, and we don't let everybody see our hurts. But uh, uh, to your point, uh, people who are hurting, God has uh, not chosen to answer a prayer, maybe mm-hmm. in a way that one might have expected or hoped, but uh, <clears throat> there are a lot of people who have been where you are, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, but we don't always talk about it, and we need to, we need to focus on that as well. So, hey, thanks for your treatment of a, of a very important important topic and uh, certainly one that we want to want to continue on here on through the next year. I am sure this is not the last time we'll be talking about prayer. I but, trust uh, not. Hey, I, I do want to switch gears a little bit here uh, for the final moments of our time together. This is the last time we'll be recording for this season of Digging Deeper in Grace. And at the end of our first season, we made the decision to take a December recording sabbatical, and we're following that rhythm again this year. I'd like to end our season, though, this year with a, a focus on the grace that God has shown our church this year. Uh, I want to do a little word association, Tim Cockrell. So (laughs) I'll say a word or a phrase here, and you share how you've seen the evidence of God's grace in 2023. Let's start with this one. Budgeted giving and expenditures. Hmm. Well, you know, when we think about God's grace, it all comes down to giving, that he gave us his son. That's what we celebrate here at Christmas time. And I think one of the evidences of a heart that is transformed by his grace is by generosity. And one of the things I've seen so clearly from at Grace ever since I've got here is that we, have, we are a generous church. Um, and I don't know what people give. I, I don't want to know. But you see people giving to the harvest offering. You see the way that we have not only met but exceeded budget, even that as we forecast for next year, that it's a substantial increase in the budget, but it's all based on the fact that people are faithfully, sacrificially, and regularly giving to God's work. And and we're seeing it bear some really exciting fruit in our church, but also in the missions endeavors as well. Great. Multiplying grace is another phrase. Yeah, so we started talking about this back in January and February, kind of a new initiative that that reflects a, a long-standing priority here, and that is to encourage, equip, and partner with other churches and plant new churches. And I think what's really exciting about that is we have Cam and Carissa who are preparing to head to Boston, Lord willing, next summer. Uh, we have Josh and Ariana Lankford that are already in Utah. We have Chris and Maddie Heil who are pr- planning to go and partner with the, the Gospel Grace churches out there, that we're seeing a movement locally as well as more broadly in our nation of grace deploying to to strengthen, support, to establish and plant new churches. And I think we're just beginning to catch a glimpse of what that might look like, but it's exciting. And I'm excited too. I mean, certainly, uh, the church planning is a big part of that. I'm excited to see just how much Grace is able to be inter- interacting with other churches here in the area and regionally. Churches sometimes uh, just having some issues need to work through, but also just uh, pulpit supply on the very, you know, I'd say rather easy side of things in, mm-hmm. in some respects, but just uh, coming alongside other churches and being a blessing. It's been very exciting to see that. I would agree. Yeah. Okay, here's another one. Staff pastoral positions. Man, you know, this is a story that I've told a few different times, but when I came here to Grace initially there in January 2022, there was one pastor on staff in addition (laughs) to me, and that was Pastor Josh Taylor. 
Um, and I looked at our staff needs and thought to myself, it's very likely going to be two and a half or three years before we're able to be fully staffed because we knew we were going to have to hire a pastor for discipleship. And then it became clear before too long that we were going to need to hire a, a pastor for administration. And some of the things that we needed just felt so specialized that it felt like it was going to take a long time. But God in his grace brought us Pastor Jeff, and um, he's been doing a, a great job. And you know, Daniel Ackerman had been serving in a variety of capacities that bringing him on staff as a pastor uh, over the last year has been just an immense blessing. He's doing a fantastic job. And then seeing Adam Hammett step into his new role and being willing to step away from his uh, academic role at the university has been just a, one more piece of, of God's grace. And to see the way God is using each of those people and each of their gifts, of course, adding to to Barb Hunt and all the, the great work that she does in children's ministry, Amy Gilbert now serving as her administri administrative assistant, and then just all of our staff, um, Bob and Amy and Liz and, and any number of, of additional people that we could mention. I just feel like God has poised us with a, an incredible team to do the work of the ministry well. And not a few of those individuals having been kind of cultivated from within. Exciting time. It really is. And I think that's just a, a statement of a culture that has been developed that, that seeks to raise up, equip, and encourage people to use their gifts here as well as elsewhere. Let's talk about uh, in relation to... Uh, being a sending church and mm -hmm. uh, but uh, uh, missions yeah I think one of the, the great strengths of grace has always been their focus on missions you know the fact that 20% of our budget is just automatically right off the top taken to devote to missions and I think having Pastor Jeff on board to be able to give some attention I think the ongoing leadership of our go team has helped us to refine what we're doing in missions uh, we're bringing on some new missionaries, you know, uh, Lily and uh, Jesse and Liss and, um, and others even that are in the pipeline that are connected even to some of our harvest offering projects. Again, like you've said, many people that are being raised up from within, but I think it's also aligning us strategically to reach the unreached, mm -hmm. to be thinking about how missions applies to our immediate mission field, as well as to our overseas context as well. Good. And one more constitution man there's one that's going to get people's excitement <laughs> going isn't it in all seriousness that that has been a project that has been going on for the last three years mm -hmm. um and one of the things that i before you got here it's but, true yeah well and, and that's what i would say is one of the things i appreciate most about that is of all the projects that we've worked on that's one that i think has captured a snapshot of elder plurality perhaps mm -hmm. better than any um, different subgroups working on different articles, different conversations that we've had as elders, um, wordsmithing some things in ways that we needed to, that you just saw the different strengths of our entire team and uh, certainly Trent Rogers leading that effort and, and standing on the shoulders of others who have done work on it pre previously. And then the way the congregation just engaged in the process, mm -hmm. asking really good and helpful questions that helped us refine it further and then voted in, in a really strong um, affirmation of the elders' proposals, uh, allow us then to hopefully do ministry that much more effectively as we take the same guiding principles but adapt our practices accordingly. 
and you you said it without really saying it and going into detail, but uh, many of those conversations, you know, we had some good conversations within the, the context of, of elder meetings and uh, that however many were there on a given night, 12, 13, 14 individuals talking through things. Uh, I know Trent Rogers, just as an example, he kind of uh, took took some pride in, in maybe leading the pack as far as uh, individual particular issues that we would vote on or take some polls on. And he, he more than anybody perhaps, was on the, quote, losing end mm. or the, the uh, short side of the stick as far as some of those uh, issues within the context of the Constitution, pointing out, as you say, you know, the strength of a plurality, but the idea that uh, agreement does not have to be unanimity, but it has to, we need to trust God working through each other. Absolutely. And that we, we refine and we shape each other and we trust that God is going to to build his church as he's promised. Yeah. And, and again, as you point out, the congregation engaging in the process, what a blessing to to do that with. Mm-hmm. Tim, there are, you know, we've, we've hit on some areas here as we close 2023 or begin to close it and uh, some areas of real strength, you mm-hmm. pointed out, whether it's giving or missions or multiplying grace. If you had uh, one, two, or three uh, prayer requests this year, that uh, mm. some places for grace to grow, mm. Grace Baptist Church, our church, uh, to grow, uh, what might they be? Yeah, a, a couple of things come to mind. One, we talked about grace being a missions-oriented church, and I, I definitely think that we are. I think one of our greatest mission fields that we can grow in is our immediate community. And, and that isn't to say that people aren't engaging in those ways, but it just requires a lot of effort and creativity and wisdom to know how to engage people that isn't rooted in programs, but is rooted in just the priority of relationships. And so I'm excited. We've got a, a team that's just called the, the Love the Ville Committee that is focused on how do we love our immediate community in, in such a way that they see Christ just through our example and through our love. I think another area that we need to continue to grow in is the idea of, I think our new member process continues to be refined, but integration, you know, whether that's into small groups or whether that's into service, I think sometimes there can be enough people that some people can feel kind of like they slip through the cracks. I think the third thing that I would say, I would mention just primarily as a prayer request, we have a wonderful problem. And that is that our first service is full and overflowing. Our second service, while not you know completely full, we're probably at 60%, 65% in that second service, that we are running into some, some difficult questions as to how do we manage the, the logistical aspects of this? Do we, do we start a third service? Do we um, plant a church? Do we um, you know, try to do a, a remote or a satellite type of a thing? All of those have potential benefits, but all of them have some real potential challenges too. So I think just wisdom, because we we don't ever want somebody to come into grace and feel like, oh, there's not room here for me. And so we want to try to think through how do we be a welcoming place even in the seats that are available. Great. Hey, thanks for taking time with us today. Really appreciate your insights, uh, not only on prayer, but on just sort of evaluating uh, our church and uh, how we need to be continuing to, just as you've pointed out, to seek to be faithful to our Lord and Savior. Hey, to that point, and 
can't uh, talk about prayer without having a closing prayer as we close out our 2023 podcast here. Would you do that for us? I'd be happy to. Father, to call you Father is an amazing privilege. We thank you for the grace that you lavish on us. We thank you for the people that you've surrounded us with who are models and conduits of that grace. God, I pray that you would help us as a church family to grow in your grace as well as in our knowledge of you. I pray that we would be a place where people are equipped to do the work of the ministry, that we would be like a city on a hill, Mm. radiating your light to our local community, as well as equipping and encouraging believers all around the world. God, you know that we are desperately dependent on you, individually as well as collectively. So I pray that we would model that dependence in the way that we seek first your kingdom, in the way that we submit our will to you, in a way that we hold high the authority and sufficiency of your word, in the way that we minister to one another. God, our desire is to be faithful and pure as your bride, and that we would uh, live in a way that is anticipating and expecting your imminent return. And so, God, we would ask that even so, Jesus would come quickly. But until that day, may we be found faithful as we serve you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, once again, a big thank you to Tim Cockrell, and thank you for joining us for this episode. And during our December sabbatical, we encourage you to pull up some of the over 130 episodes from the past three seasons. Enjoy those discussions around God's gracious provision of His Holy Word. Plan to join us next time. We will be beginning our fourth season here in a few weeks. And until we meet again, I'm your host, Bart Sheridan, thanking you for tuning into this episode of Digging Deeper in Grace. Digging Deeper in Grace is a ministry of Grace Baptist Church in Cedarville, Ohio. Visit us online at gracecedarville.org and join us next time as we continue our discussion. In the meantime, we invite you to continue digging deeper in grace as you read God's Word.